You're listening to the Real Estate Investing Podcast with Dante Belmonte, here to help you start or continue your journey in real estate. Each episode, we bring you a different expert real estate investor who will share the secrets to their success so you can learn and benefit from their experience. Let's jump right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Podcast. My name is Dante Belmonte. Today, we have two really cool guests on the show, Natalie and Rob, all the way from Canada. I shouldn't say all the way because it's not that far, but just different ter territory. Would you guys like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So uh, we're Rob and Nat. We're a married couple from Canada, like you said. Uh, we're 27 years old, and uh, we started investing in real estate by building new. So it's a little different as to what other people are doing. Um, it started out because we decided to build our own home, we decided to do it ourselves and kind of go through the whole process of doing an auto construction. And then we, well, we ended up just loving the process and we realized that there was a formula, a secret sauce kind of thing that we just decided to keep going from there. Right. That's awesome. That's why I wanted to have you guys on the show is because everyone I have on here is either doing syndications, fix or flips or rentals or burrs. I was like, oh, some new build people. Let's spice right. it up a little bit. Get you guys on here. So. <laughs> You guys are in the Canadian market. So what I'd like to start out with is set the tone for the market. Currently, how does your market look? Is it a seller's, a buyer's market? Is it oversaturated, population, trends? Just take a few minutes to go over that. You want to take that one? Yeah, it's, uh, right now it's a seller's market. Uh, things are, I think things are booming right now. Um, house prices have gone up uh, about 80% uh, last year in our area. So that's, uh, that's a lot. Um, which is why I think building uh, still works here. Um, it's I don't think it's for it's for every market. Um, uh, the cost of building is uh, roughly stays the same in any market. Right. Cost of materials and labor. Um, so however, if your market is too low, then yeah. it just doesn't make sense to build, and you might as well renovate. Yeah. Right. There's nothing to be that way. I, I imagine the the land cost has a big for big sure. deal of the numbers. For sure. Yeah. Like land here, you can't get much under $80,000. So you're looking wow. at like, yeah, it's a, it's a nice chunk to start off with. Um, but there's also a, a big uh, housing shortage right now. So like the government is starting to jump in because uh, basically I get a, a, a message every day or every other day of someone asking if we have a rental available. There's just nothing. Wow, that's awesome. Airbnbs because they're just stuck. There's nowhere to go. Um, so because of that, people are really staying in their units because they know that there's nothing else out there. Um, so it's a, it's a good rental market as well. It's a good okay. rental, but it may not stay like that forever, right? It's been good for the past year or so, but yeah. it, we expect it. We're, we're planning for it to drop because we'd rather be safe than sorry. <laughs> right. Of course. I mean, I think that's very similar. So I'm in the uh, central New York market. I'm probably four hours from Canada South. Again, it's a very similar market. It's a seller's market. There's not enough inventory. I wouldn't say in, in our area prices are increasing, but properties are definitely going for over asking or over list price in a short period of time. Yeah. So it's very interesting. I don't know if it's just a lack of homes being built or lack of quality homes or just population growth. I, I find it very interesting. In right. Canada, a lot of immigration, and it's—I think it's—has uh, something to do with it. Has something to do with it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I my fiance and I were getting married in 31 days actually, and uh, we we just got our passports for our honeymoon, and then we're like, yeah, now we can go to Canada and go to IKEA to like furnish some of our rental units that we have. <laughs> <laughs> we're just like super excited for that. Um, <laughs> the highlights of our lives, pretty sad, but anyways. Um, so, you guys. So I'm I'm 22. So you guys were about my age when you started. You, know, you built your first house. Tell us about that. What made you want to build versus buy? Where did you get some of the funds from? Break it down for us. And you don't have to go too in depth into numbers if you don't want, which is fine. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we started um, we started building just because we wanted to be in a house, right? We actually we actually bought a condo when we graduated from college. So we met in college. Uh, we bought a condo um, just with like no money down. It was like through like government funding kind of thing. It, it had a higher interest rate, so it wasn't the best deal. Um, but we decided that a condo wasn't for us and we wanted out. So we wanted to have a place with a garage. This guy here needs a garage <laughs> and <laughs> did some outdoor space. So, but we didn't have any money down. We couldn't put any kind of down payment on a property. Um, so my mom actually kind of sat me down and was like, she's going to give me this family secret and saying that, uh, they, they used to do, uh, auto construction loans and they did that. They built four houses in four years when they were about wow. age. 
Um, so they started talking to the, to us about that process and we just decided, okay, well, let's go for it. So basically what it is, it's that it's an auto construction loan where the bank lends you 80% of the value and it's up to you to build it for that amount. So you have to figure it out in your labor, right? So you save the 20% down in your labor. You don't have to have that. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so, sorry. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's something that banks in the u.s have i know that this is like a, this is a credit union specifically right. does this in our area other banks offer it too but it comes with a little more strings attached this credit union is a little more specific um for these types of loans so oh, i think it's achievable through uh private lending yeah, okay anybody really right and so something i took away was you said they lend 80 percent of the value of the home and where you save the money is the labor now, is that labor because you guys are doing some of it or you're just hiring out a little cheaper? We, we do most of it, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Good for you guys. Um, I just find that so interesting. You don't really hear about that. If you listen to other podcasts, read other books, you don't hear about that. So that's awesome. Now, can you also cut back and getting cheaper material costs or material costs really standard across the board for the most part? Uh, well, actually, um, my background is in estimation. I used to work for a, uh, I used to be an estimator for a, a lumber yard. So uh, you get pretty good prices on lumber and uh, oh, you get supplier pricing on the wood, you know? <laughs> so we are, we are saving a bit on that too. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So you guys are using a super cool technique. It's really a zero down technique to have brand new built homes. And yeah, exactly. what are these homes like as far as bed, bath, square footage, style? They're all different. Um, like basically uh, we try to stay with at least a duplex, right? So at least two units. Uh, most two beds, one bath, uh, but we have a couple. Yeah, we, of, we don't, we don't, we like to go uh, higher than, than two, well, two bedrooms and higher. Yeah. Okay. So no, no single bedrooms or. or we do. We have we do. a one plus one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but uh, that's yeah. the only one. Yeah. So we, every project <laughs> is different because every piece of land is different. So we just kind of work with what's there. Um, but um, in terms of square footage, it, it varies. Okay. That's awesome. So you do have like a diversity of style of homes. Mm -hmm. So when you're building these homes, are you just putting them back in the market and selling them or are you renting them or are you doing a combo of both? It's build and hold. Build okay. Build and, build and hold. I like that. That's, that's yeah. a new method. <laughs> yeah. Just kind of made that up on the spot, but yeah. <laughs> that's good. Coin that right now. Um, okay. So, so build and hold. So you, is the only single family you have the one that you guys are currently in, or is that also a multi or talk to me about that? It's actually a, a multi-unit. Uh, we've got a, an apartment in the basement. A two bedroom okay. one in the basement. Um, that was part of, it was kind of like a house hack when we were building our house. My parents, we were young, right? We were 19 or, or 20. Um, uh, we bought 20. a condo at 20 and we built. Uh, we were 20, 21. Yeah. So we were young and we were nervous about having this big mortgage. And my parents said, well, like design for an apartment, an entrance at the back and do an apartment to, help out and when we did that then that's where we figured the special sauce right where you can have the house hack and then you keep going um we thought of house hacking to keep going but it, in the end we just ended up uh staying where we are and we found a different way to to to, to build the expanding the portfolio um that's awesome house is a duplex and uh they're all duplexes really there's one left maybe that's in uh, the side by side there oh like a condo so we, we actually did a cleanup in our portfolio. Yeah. We sold the uh, three single family homes that we had. Okay. So we started out after our house, we built uh, two, well, we built one single family home, which we sold. And then we built a, uh, a semi-detached, which side we sold side. one side. And now we have one side left. Okay. So th that's the only single family home that we have that left. We, that we own. Right. Okay. So, and you said they're all du duplexes. Are you guys in the process of building a triplexes, quads, or? Well, we do have one, one fourplex. Yeah. We just finished building a fourplex. Uh, that That's was awesome. Yet. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a really good cash flowing property. Um, and uh, it was, it was a big project to tackle. It took us nine months from start to construct, nine and a half months from start of construction to the end um, because he did a lot of the work himself. Um, he was able to quit his job a year and a half ago. So he's, Congratulations. Right? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm still working though. <laughs> yeah. <he's> <laughs> yes. <laughs> working more now than he was. Right. Um, but uh, I still have a job for the government, but I work from home. So I get to, to you know, be a bit hands on. Um, 
too, but uh, you're more I, of like the general contractor, and he's the contractor. So you boss him around <laughs> a little bit while you're working. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Let's say that. She's the boss of <laughs> So um, th- go ahead. I'm sorry. No, sorry. So I was just gonna say after the fourplex, we have a triplex lined up uh, for this year. Um, but yeah, that's uh, and then another fourplex maybe after that. That's great. So are you finding more value in these larger unit buildings versus the duplexes? For cash flow, mostly. Okay. And so all these deals you're essentially going into with zero down. Does that sound correct for the most part? Yeah. yeah. Wow. The, the bank, now, I mean, the bank are, the banks are getting more uh, strict. So uh, they do, they do want us to have a, a bit of cash on the side just in case. Right. Reserves. Yeah. Yeah, so they want you, like, instead of putting down that 20%, they want to see it that you have it available, yeah. just in sure case something happens. happens, but you don't right. have to put it down. Okay, that's, I, I find this concept so interesting. So now you guys probably find that with all the cash flow off these properties, you probably can put down payments on properties if you really wanted to, if you needed to, I would imagine. Yeah, we could. We That's why we sold a couple properties to make sure that we did have some cash on hand so that we weren't stuck again because with the fourplex we did kind of hit a speed bump it was we got a little bit of a speed bump trying to get the lending <clears throat> we ended up having to go through a private lender which was a great process but it still it cost us a lot of interest and, and and setup fees and stuff like that so we decided to do a cleanup so that we're never stuck in a vulnerable position again right we can kind of right manage yeah. <laughs> okay yeah. so those single families that you clean up the portfolio with to sell um the bank gave you 80% of the value, which essentially was zero down for you guys. So were you able to sell it that full 100% value and really make 20% profit? Yeah, actually the, the values have, have gone up in the past few years. So wow. we were able to sell for above uh, what it was evaluated for. Yeah, above, uh, yeah, because it was really a seller's market this year. Yeah, so we yeah, took advantage of that. Yeah. I mean, it's a very hot market and I always tell people if you have property you want to get rid of, because I'm also a real estate agent, now is the time to do so. Um, you'll get top dollar for it. Exactly. Uh, do you guys do any short-term Airbnb rentals or all long-term rentals? No, nope. all long-term. We've debated doing short-term. <clears throat> In our area though, I mean, Ottawa, there's a lot of, uh, the city's cracking down on Airbnb rentals too. So it's a little bit right now to see if we want to get into that or not they're 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 cracking down on that in ottawa the only area that would be maybe worth it for us would be like in the mont tremblant quebec side but just it's expensive and it's it's just a whole other ball game it's a a little more time consuming on the property management side most definitely it is property management so we're trying to stay away from uh yeah. A hectic lifestyle like that. It's just, it's a, it's a whole other venture too. We kind of yeah. want to stay focused on what works for us, right? Not to be too spread thin. Yeah, yeah I totally understand that. So we, my, in my portfolio, we have one Airbnb at the moment. We're going to make a second one. And I find it very cool because you have a lot of different people come in, but it's very labor intense to the point where if you're not hiring out third party cleaning, you have to go and, you know, change all the sheets, clean the floors, bathrooms, kitchens, you know, you have to do everything. And when I say interesting people, right now I have someone in there from the United Kingdom for a laser tag tournament. No way. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I didn't believe it. So like, I, I didn't want to like weird these people out or anything. Cause I kind of thought they were lying. So when they messaged me initially and they booked, they said, Hey, we're coming from United Kingdom for a week for a laser tag tournament. I was like, Oh, that's so cool. I was like, I didn't even know we had one around here. Where's that located? <laughs> right. And so they, they told me and I Googled it. And I was like, Oh my goodness, there's a laser tag tournament here this week. I have no idea. This is possible. <laughs> That's cool. So, yeah, it's just something funny. And yeah, it makes like stories. It does. It really does. Um, so again, I'm just, I'm flabbergasted by this method. You guys have this build and hold, which we're coining right here, right now. Yeah, exactly. Where are you guys learning or getting a lot of education from managing your properties or calculating cash flow and calculating the numbers? Where are you getting a lot of the education? He's the math whiz. I'm not super, I'm like everything I know I've learned from him. Um, he's good with numbers. Yeah, he's good with numbers. Um, in terms of like labor and project management, we both studied in architecture. That's where we met. Um, but, uh, he also like, we always, we both have a background a bit in construction. Like we just basically worked with our dads or worked on, like he, he used to paint. And so we, we have that knowledge, I guess, but it's a, it's a big knowledge. Like we learned everything else just on the fly. Yeah. I okay. Think- his challenge was the property management, mm-hmm. like managing oh, yeah. tenants. Right. 
biggest challenge at the, at the start. So Because we had books. no experience on, in that field. So yeah. Yeah, reading a couple books. Like I, I, I read a lot of books, uh, podcasts. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta self-educate. Yeah, I think that's huge. So like something with one of my my first time I bought a duplex, I had to kick out the tenant within a day of basically owning it, and it's like. I, I read about that, like I knew what to do and everything, but you really don't learn how to do it until you physically do it. Until you have so, no choice. <laughs> right, so how the story went was I, I take the property, the one uh, tenant they're, they're paying, and the first check I got, I was like, oh, so this is what they're talking about. This is how it's supposed to be. <laughs> and then I go upstairs and they're like, yeah, no, we don't have it. Like there's two guys, one guy was paying, one wasn't. And so I was, you know, I told them I served them a notice, I was like, you guys gotta leave. And what I did was I, sent them a list or you know in the mail of an itemized list of everything that if it's not done or not clean or not rent ready it's going to get deducted from their deposit went through all the the proper paperwork so what happens when they give me the keys i go in and they painted the entire apartment yeah and it was like blotchy different colors and i had an open house on the apartment the next day so i'm there painting the whole thing with my fiance her mom even came to help just we painted the whole place basically. Yeah, you have because we had choice. all these people. Right, exactly. We had all these people coming through. So I was like, yeah, right now the security deposit that goes, you know, because they yeah, exactly. it was a mess. I mean, if you guys could see pictures, you'd be like, did a blind man do that? <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do, and you gotta work overtime in those situations. We've we've done that a couple times. Too. <laughs> it's definitely about the experiences. You don't get it anywhere else. Nope. Um, what are property taxes like in Canada? <laughs> Well, I don't know. Compared to other places, I don't know. Um, here, you're looking at maybe you don't get much under twenty eight hundred. Like the the cheapest place we have is about twenty eight hundred. Well, uh, let's say like our house uh, valued at around four fifty. Um, our taxes are what uh, five grand a year. Yeah, maybe. Did you say expensive? Is that, is that no? Well, expensive? you're in New York. I bought a hundred fifty thousand duplex, and my property tax are fifty one hundred dollars on it. Okay, oh, wow. wow. Okay, it, that <laughs> one's that one's in a village though. So like, I have another one that I bought for like one forty six, and the property tax is only thirty eight hundred. But I was like, this is ridiculous. That really? when you said that, I was like, they have no idea expensive yeah, <laughs> until they come to New York. Okay, and sometimes you compare with other people, and it's super low. So you, right now, do you guys have any like reimbursement programs or any like government programs that like give you taxes back on like your own residence or things like that? Yeah, so for new builds, you get uh, you can you can not, recoup. Not, not municipal taxes. But, oh no, uh, provincial. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he's the math guy. <laughs> yeah, I see that. <laughs> so there's a there is a tax, the sales tax, basically from all your materials you're buying and labor. And during the construction, they give you back. Basically. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's a pretty beneficial. Now, is that only on owner-occupant primary residence or on any new build you're doing? Um, on, on your own residence, you get, uh, you get refunded more than on a rental. Okay. So like, they really want to bring it's, it through. It's, compl it's complex, but that's basically it. The yeah. easiest way to break down. Okay. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where when you get into rental properties, you need an accountant to walk you yeah, through you do, it yeah. because it's very complicated. Okay. Yeah. But you do get a credit. Yeah. That's nice. That's probably very helpful to the whole process for you guys as well. For sure. Yeah. We account yeah. for that in the budget kind of thing. Well, yeah. well, yeah. we try not to, we try not to think about it in case something happens, you don't get it, but you always end up getting it. So it's, it's a nice bonus. Right. It's icing on the cake. I always say like, when I yeah. say like, I don't calculate for appreciation or, you know, mortgage debt pay down. It's just icing on the cake. I strictly go for cash flow. Yeah. Um, cause we're not in a very appreciating market. So if they get any appreciation, it's a nice little bonus. Uh, <laughs> so in one of your projects, I think it was the fourplex, you said you were having trouble with the funding. So you brought in a private lender. Um, what was kind of the issue you were having with front funding? where did you find this private lender and what did the terms kind of look like if you want to get into that side of it? Yeah, sure. Um, so what happened is basically the bank that we were dealing with that credit union, they just made a mistake on our file. And by the time, but basically they had given this the okay and then they said oh wait a minute but so that wait a minute by the time it came to us we had already spent 40 well we were about to get the forty thousand dollar permit we had already spent a good amount of money on getting the project started yeah the, um, the hole was there um forms were in yeah like we were about to to, to do the footing. we were about to pour the, the concrete 
So, uh, so when they said, oh, wait a minute, we're not sure, we kind of freaked out. Uh, we call, we're, we're good friends with our accountant. Our accountant is, is really good in this stuff, and he's in the same business as us. He has the same number of rentals, and he does new builds. So uh, we called him up, and we said, do you, like, what do we do? And he said, well, I'll, I'll get you in contact with someone I know. And so he set up this meeting with um, a rep the, the representative for that private lender. Um, so we met with him, and uh, he explained the terms, and he basically just talked to us for a few minutes and he saw that, you know, we're good people. He liked us. Uh, so he made the deal happen uh, with that private lender and it was a 9% interest, but they made it in a way where it was similar to our, our auto loan. So they would um, give it in draws and progressive draws. So it was like, you can, you can draw 150,000 for as long as you need it. And then, okay, when you meet that second draw, you go for another 150. Did, did you come on site to see where you're at in the construction? Process? Of course they check in on the project. Yeah. Let's say you're at 40% of the progress. Uh, they'll give you 40% of the value of the loan. basically. Okay. That makes sense. So it's kind of cool that you incorporated regular financing or that type of financing You're using plus private money to, to make the deal happen. So you got kind of creative there when it came to the financing. So that's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, we had to. Um, had to, yeah. By, by the time. <laughs> had no choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. By the time we had our financing in place, the bank came back. They're like, oh, wait, it's good to go. We're like, yeah, well, it's too late. Like we had to, we had to do what we had to do, right? So just in case they came back and said, no, we had to find a plan B. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and that's what you did. You guys took action. You could have just thrown your hands up in the air and be like, Oh, what do we do now? We have to wait, you know, wait on the bank. But you kept taking those stepping stones to get to the end goal there. And it seems yeah, and we loved um, going through this process because it's a nice learning curve. Now we know what to expect. If ever we're stuck again, we know where to go. We know what to do. Um, so you know, it was yeah, other ways to get funding. Yeah. It was, it was good. Good experience. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you got something secondary on the back burner in case you ever do run to another issue. That What does your portfolio currently look like? Units to actual buildings? Uh, we have, uh, it's 13 units. Um, six properties. Six properties. Six different properties. Yeah. Okay. And being that they're new builds, are you finding any issues as far as like maintenance calls where you have to go and service anything on the property or is it pretty solid? Because, it's because they're new, everything happens in the first month. Mm. issues uh with uh, there's a small leak uh stuff like that it happens in the first month and then after that we rarely get sailing. Yeah. yeah okay yeah, so we, so that's on you because you didn't crimp the the uh, piping right no i'm just plumbing <laughs> so i can't blame it on something else <laughs> oh, okay there you go fair enough <laughs> that's, okay happens often yeah <laughs> What's the long-term goal for you guys? What do you want your portfolio to look like? Or is there not really a long-term goal? You just want to continue scaling. We're just going with it. <laughs> yeah, we're going with it. We have, we have short-term goals. Like we, we were 27. We'd like to be able to say that we're financially independent by the time we're 30. So we don't have to work if, if we don't want to. Um, we're always going to work, I think, because, you know, we just get bored if we don't do anything. But right. we could do it on our own terms. Um, so, uh, so that's our short-term goal. And then after that, we don't really have a number of units in mind, um, because we kind of want to roll with the punches. If we start having a family, if we start, if the market starts changing, we just want to adapt. If our goals change anything, um, we had, at first we had a 30 unit goal in mind, but, um, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. So, I mean, that's good. You just, you have those short-term goals that you can knock out faster that will help you ultimately scale quicker. Yeah. Um, how long, I know each property varies in timeline and whatnot, but how long does it typically take you guys from when you purchase the land to do a new build to finishing the property completely? Including planning, I think it takes about a year for a project. Depending on the size of the project too, yeah. like the fourplex is definitely a year because uh, the plan oh, sure. and the construction itself is longer. Uh, a duplex you can knock it out in six months, eight months, including the planning time, maybe. But we're we're trying to like overlap, so we're not doing only one at a time. I'm trying to. Yeah, like trying to like yeah. by the time you the, when you're in the, your last two months of a construction, you're starting the next one, right? Because yeah. the beginning is always slower. You're just yeah, basically you're just doing the planning and you're going on site to make sure the guys are well lined up because we don't do the the excavation or the foundation and stuff like that. So you're just lining up the guys. So um, yeah. We I make sure I have some time. work for myself 
while I'm, I'm starting another project. Right. No, I mean, that makes sense. Instead of, you know, you, you have, when you start the property, it's like slow, slow, slow. It starts to increase how much you do. And then it just drops back off and then you have to start again where you guys are kind of doing this, but then you have another one starting here. So it's all kind of yeah. coming together. That, that makes sense. And I think that's pretty smart. I'm sure um, over time, you guys will probably be able to hire out more teams and do more projects. Well, we are trying to do more in a year mm -hmm. um, by hiring more and overlapping a little more too. Yeah. So yeah, this year we're trying to make a, we're, we're going to probably do a triplex and then a fourplex in the same year. So nice. we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it'll okay. be your, we'll, we'll be hiring a little more mm -hmm. than before. But. Are, are you guys looking to do any larger apartment buildings or is fourplex really like the top where you want to stay at we the are moment? Eventually, but uh, I, I think there's a threshold between a four unit and then some anything bigger than that. Right. Uh, with the city lighting? planning, yeah, stuff like that. So we want to be ready financially. Uh, to do that. Yeah. And um, yeah, like we, we, we've talked about doing a sixplex. We've talked about doing an eightplex. Um, it's just maybe, maybe, maybe 2021. I just, I also, I don't want to overstress on big projects, right? I kind of, like, you don't want to stretch yourself too thin. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, you know, I don't know. Sometimes you just have to be a little selfish and just kind of enjoy life too. And if you're always stressing on bigger projects, because it's always it's a, it's the a different ball game. Yeah, because like just the fourplex was a, a different ball game for us this year. It was the biggest project we have ever done, and it was a stressful year because of that. Well, it's stressful. And you're learning; it's a learning process for you as well. Yeah. Next yeah. one you do will probably be much easier. Well, I don't yeah, want to say much sure. easier, but easier you than that one. For sure. We want to be comfortable with fourplexes before we move into uh, apartment something buildings. bigger. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean it's the same way here in the New York or the United States, where uh, one unit, basically single family, up to a fourplex or you know a four unit is considered small multi, or um, you could put it in your personal name. Anything five unit and above now comes in the commercial space and it's a totally different ballgame. With that said, are these properties you have, are they all in you know personal mortgages or are they commercial mortgages or are they all personal? Um, they're all uh, commercial now because um, we, had, we had some personal, but we sold those um, this year. So now we did a good cleanup in that and it's, it's pretty much commercial. Okay. So when those, those lenders are lending on commercial for the property, are they looking at what, when they look at the 80% loan to value and that's how much they're willing to give you for the project, you can keep it below that 80% to build it for nothing down. Are they approving that loan based on the property itself? They had to take it over or are they looking at any of your personal financials? Based on the, uh, on the cash flow. Uh, start, starting out, it was the 80% rule, but uh, more and more it's the, uh, the cash flow. Yeah. Okay. So they want, they want to be able to cover uh, more than enough in case they have to take over. It goes too with the, um, what does they call again? The, uh, when they call it? Oh, kind of like the debt service ratio. Is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So they, they, they have like a standards to that. They have a few things that they, they look at. Um, it's a little different from uh, personal for sure. Uh, but uh, it was, it was tough just to hit that barrier, right. To cross over into commercial once you're in it, it's, it's been going well. Yeah, it's been going well. Yeah, you get used to their, their standards. And yeah, I, I host uh, once a month at my real estate office, I host a, a class or a meetup, if you will. And I try to bring in a different speaker on a different topic each month, a commercial lender, an attorney, a CPA, an insurance lender. So I had my commercial lender in last week and they were just telling us like they had, a, he had the presentation on the board. He was like residential lending versus commercial lending. And it was like all these things they need to know for residential lending. And then it's like commercial lending. It's like, building like it just basically like yeah. yeah that's basically it how it stands up versus itself and he broke down yeah, you know what they're right and then that's great too and he was just showing how you know you're looking at debt service ratio and cap rate and if they had to take this property over and they, they had to put management on it, if it would make a smart decision that's kind of how they lend so it's probably very similar in that aspect are you guys signing as guarantors or guarantees we are or is yeah. it just yeah. okay so that's pretty standard as well because the corporation is fairly new so there's not much in it yet. So. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, kind of have to start there. Do you have all the properties under one corporation for the most part? We have a holding, and then we have the uh, operations. Okay, so itself or the properties are in the holding. holding, and yeah. So the the holding, and then individual uh, businesses for each property. So there's one holding for all the properties, mm -hmm. and that there's a operations co. And manages all the construction and property management. 
Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. So you guys really split up the, the purpose of each entity. So one's actually property ownership, the other one's uh, construction or, you know, repairs. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. What, what's the radius of like where your properties are? Are they all in close proximity? How far are they? Yeah. We have a radius of about uh, what? Uh, what well, it's all in the same township, but yeah. this, the township goes about 20 minutes. Like So it's 20 Indiana. minutes, but it's not a radius. Like it's 20 minutes from here. We can like, yeah. Hit all our properties within 20 minutes kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So they're fairly close. I mean, I would imagine from time to time you guys kind of drive around, just keep, keep an eye out, check them out or, or not really as much. Uh, yeah, we do. We do. Well, well, where's the area? I mean, there's yeah. some that like they live right next to us. Yeah. <clears throat> so we kind of see them every yeah. day almost. Um, and then there's a couple others that are on our way to those, the projects we're doing. So we see them anyways, like the triplex yeah. we're building is right in front of the duplex we built this year. Or last year. Yeah, we're trying to cluster them uh, as much as we can. Yeah. No, it's smart. I mean, it, it makes more sense because I mean, even if you guys one day do hire out of property management or you bring on property management as as for you guys, it's easier for them to manage all in one location versus well, they got to run ten minutes this way, ten minutes that way, and just kind of spread out more. Exactly. Yeah, and plus we know this market here, so um, we're not really comfortable doing long distance rentals. Like we 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 want to stay where we're comfortable, where we know the market. Yeah. And I think that's very smart for any new investor or, or, you know, fairly new investor. If you're not a completely seasoned investor, why invest somewhere else besides your backyard where you know the market best and you keep an eye on all your properties for the best. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what systems are you guys using for managing your properties? Are you using certain online programs that let you manage or just really old school spreadsheet, paper, pen to paper kind of stuff? old school spreadsheet um we um i actually make sure every tenant that they understand that it's all um communication is all done via email unless of an emergency then you call me so that way our phone stays liberated i don't want texts all the time right because it's easier to text than to send an email so we say it's done via email all uh, communication that way you, you also keep the paper trail of all the conversations there's no you know he said she said everything stays organized and then the rest uh we have uh, spreadsheets but now we're bringing in a, a bookkeeper too that's going to help us uh, get that side of the business organized um, access database yeah he created he's like a tech whiz sometimes <laughs> tech math building whiz this guy does yeah. it all total nerd package i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> just easy. <laughs> um, so we do have a database that, that holds all our uh, our data yeah. for all the tenants, for, for all the financials. Uh, how we calculate our cash flow and stuff yeah. like that. We, we look at it on a daily basis. Okay. Speaking of kind of cash flow and those numbers, I won't get too deep into them, but what do your properties sit at as far as a cap rate goes? I mean, I'm sure each property is a little different, but what's the average cap rate you guys, if you were to sell your properties, they would sell at? Uh, typical cap rate is... Uh, for a new property in this region, it's uh, around 5%. Yeah, 5% cap rate. And older ones are 6%. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and then you guys don't really have a cash on cash number because you don't really have to get any cash invested in these properties. So it's like... That's hard to say. If they return. Based on our equity, I'd say we're... Average, you're looking at uh, maybe... I, I think six, uh, 16 18%. Uh, that's including uh, profit and capital. Yeah, like there's times. some properties that are at, um, this one is at 14.62%, so 15%. Based on the equity we have in the, in the property. Gotcha, okay, because it's not really return on investment because you don't have any actually money invested. I don't have a down payment, so yeah, that's how we can kind of calculate. So it's a terrible problem to have. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> So that's, that's pretty cool. Do you guys plan on going in with any other partners on projects or really just kind of stay in the two of you because you guys are doing things great? I think it's got to be the right partner. Um, if we've we talked do. about we've it. We've talked about it, yeah. We have, a, we have like someone in mind uh, and mm -hmm. we've talked about it with them too. And we, we even tried to do a deal and then in, in the end, we just kind of decided to go our own way just because we were, I think both sides were a little scared where both sides are, are used to doing I think it might be our way to, to cross a threshold. Into like, like six units yeah. or bigger. Getting into those larger commercial properties, yeah, exactly. maybe bringing on a, a, a cash heavy partner, so to speak. Exactly. Something yeah. like that. Some, another or type of strategic partner. Yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. that's 
better with numbers or whatever. Yeah. Right. In, in five years, if I ever come up your guy's way, I expect to see like a skyscraper. And then he's just over here, just like doing the drywall for each unit, you know? <laughs> yeah. How are you, how do you find these properties? And when I say properties, I mean the actual land that you're building on. How do you find them? Do you have a realtor looking for you? Are you working with someone special? No, we, uh, it's, a lot of deals have been MLS. Um, a couple were actually, uh, they called us, uh, like uh, uh, Raymond, um, he, um, we were, we were doing, we had just finished building. Yeah, I think we're getting known in the region for buying uh, less than favorable lots, <laughs> let's say. Yeah, like um, smaller lots. And yeah. uh, like, yeah, not many people are looking for lots for rentals. So basically people mm-hmm. for big lots for, to build their own dream homes, stuff like that. So small lots between older houses, um, not everyone wants harder to, to live sell, there. Like, so right? they're, they're perfect for us because we're, uh, we're doing So that. when you're saying less favorable, you're talking about smaller areas or smaller yes. lot yes. square footage in older neighborhoods? Uh, not necessarily older neighborhoods. There are some that were older. Like there was one, um, yeah, there was one that was older, but um, just, I would just say, uh, that you can't build these big custom homes on yeah um lots where you have closer neighbors uh yeah so because we're not we're not like in ottawa we're uh we're outside we're in the countryside of uh, ottawa like in the outskirts there so typically when people want to buy a lot to build their house on it's a bigger lot to accommodate a bigger house kind of thing or else now buying these lot spaces that are smaller, do you ever get any like kind of tax break because you're buying smaller lots or not? Not really. Yeah. It's probably uh, the value. The, the val- Yeah. The value goes by the uh, square footage of the lot. I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. Cause what <laughs> happens here is like in some areas, a builder will buy uh, a plot of land and let's say for easy math, it's $10,000 in taxes for this total plot of land if they built one house on it. But what the city's letting them do is they're letting them basically subdivide their, the city or the township is letting them subdivide this lot. So now you have two smaller lots. So instead of building one home for $10,000 worth of assessed taxes, they're building two houses on this one plot of land and each house gets like a 37.5% tax break. So instead of bringing $10,000 in, in taxes in this one lot, this house will pay maybe 7,000 and that will pay 7,000. So they turned a $10,000 lot of taxes per year into 14,000. Yeah. So uh, we, we bought two lots like that where um, someone owned like a bigger lot with a house on it and then they severed part of their, of their lot and then sold it to us. So that's, that's a, yeah, I guess we less taxes because of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, which is a really cool method. And then with this method, it, it's crazy because they do get a 37.5% break on the taxes on that property. So they make that more attractive to say, oh yeah, you do have this really nice house, but it's on this really small, you know, parcel of land. But hey, look at all this, this money in taxes you're saving over each year, yeah. um, which, which is very interesting. What is the kind of average price you're getting these lots for? They vary because uh, the- They've been going up. Yeah, but like the first deal we had, it was a really uh, crappier lot. We got it for $34,000. And then the last one we got, is like $100,000. So they really, they vary. They vary on the type. Um, yeah, so anywhere between- 60 and 100,000 is what uh, they're going for. We don't really want to go over 100,000 for a lot. There are some depending how many doors you can put on. Yeah. Right, that's huge. In a a good location, I mean, it could be worth it, but we still have kind of a cap of how much we would want to spend for even a fourplex. Right. And I would imagine when you're buying these lots, the credit unions or the bankers or the lenders are accounting for that number with the building materials for the 80% or are they just giving you 80% on the building materials? So basically uh, we have our plans done and then we send it to uh, an appraiser. He, uh, he evaluates the house for how much it's going to be worth uh, once built on that lot in that location. Uh, and then the bank uses that evaluation to, um, to determine, to the, determine the what they're going to give us basically. Okay, so eighty percent of the whole, uh, the, the whole picture, the the land the and the actual structure itself. Yeah, that is such a cool concept. You, you know exactly what I'm going to do when I'm done here. I'm going to go right on my computer, see if anyone does that type of lending in this area. You know, <laughs> for sure, it, it, it's very you know, unique. And that's exactly, and that and that's what exactly why I wanted to have you guys on the show is because you're bringing such a different stance, a different viewpoint of real estate investing to 
the show. Like a lot of people I know, I mean, just about everyone is not doing new builds. They're taking dilapidated, you know, crappy properties and they're making them nice, but they're running into XYZ issues down the road, whether that's foundation issues or plumbing, uh, just something that's there. We just started doing our first rhino this year and uh, we ran into a mold issue with mm. like, we're rotten from under and there was mold everywhere in the bathroom and we're like, yeah, I don't know if we like rhinos that much. <laughs> now, now what made you guys, what made you guys want to get into the renovation or the, the, the rehab side of things? And, on the uh, so we finished a project in, uh, well, in starting, I'm sorry, at the end of January and I had nothing going on because you can't really start a construction, a new construction in the winter. Right. Because uh, the ground's frozen and it's, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> so I had basically two months to kill. So we just bought a uh, fixer upper, I guess. Well, the numbers were good too. Numbers were good. It made so. sense. I think the owners just wanted to get rid of it. I think they, they knew probably that there was mold. They probably knew there was issues. I don't know. They wanted to get rid of it. The numbers made sense. And the market is just really good right now. Uh, so we figured, let's jump on it. Let's try let's this. Try it. It just, it doesn't, I need something to keep me busy for... Uh, and it's not like a months. massive rental. Like the structure was good and we mm. didn't, for our first rental, we're not jumping into this massive fixer It's more cosmetic, I'd imagine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, like we didn't need a big well, we budget thought it was to fix it just up. cosmetic. We yeah. thought it was. And then we, brought, we opened up in this wall and all this stuff, <laughs> yeah. you know. I mean, you like, got to give this guy over here something to do. He's sitting around all day. He's like, give me a project, yeah. you know, and you're over here. <laughs> you got something to do. You've got something to do. <laughs> right. And how far along are you guys with that project? Are you like, where are you in the process? So we're starting to, to drywall and uh, paint now. So it'll be like a, maybe a two and a half month. No, maybe not even. Two well, we're, we're what, a month in now? Yeah, a month in. And uh, they're moving in um, March. March 30th. Okay. So that, that's pretty cool. So it's just adding like a new, you know, new area of investing for you guys, which is cool. You're kind of diversifying what you're doing. Um, yeah. And I like, I really like what you said where you're like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's January, the ground's frozen. You can't really do a new build. So you found something to fill that gap to educate yourself more. Now you guys know if you go for another project, you have mold, you, you'll know what to do in that aspect. So it's, yeah, exactly. it's all about that learning. That's true. Describe a difficulty you guys had or something you had to overcome throughout this whole investing process. What was the toughest part, whether it was getting started or throughout, through the years, what's something you guys had trouble with? I would say, um having to kind of work together <laughs> like we work together really well but um it's it's kind of um you know at some points i wanted to quit and then like it, it was like he was trying to you know it's i don't know it's trying to get on that same page in terms of goal in terms of how far we want to push this um and it tests your, your marriage for sure um so mm -hmm. it's just finding those ways to work together and not um and we have the same uh we have the same background in architecture so when it comes to uh designing plans and stuff like that sometimes we butt heads i think that's the part where we butt heads the most because we do our own drawings and our own designs and mm, i'm usually okay. the, like i was a years before so i'm the one on the computer doing the, the designs but then then he jumps in and then we're just we we butt heads on that a lot i think yeah weirdly that's where we fight the most <laughs> right so you guys would say it's more the difficulty is more kind of learn to work with each other and work off of each other yeah so. yeah exactly um i think yeah, we've been doing good though you know we've been doing good for sure it's just it's been a challenge right it's, yeah. it's i mean 27 years old and 13 units with all these properties i mean that's pretty darn good not a lot of people can say they've done that so yeah, I guess. And it, 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 I don't know. It's just a question of separating uh, the business from the personal life, right? Like you can't go on a date and not end up being a business meeting. I mean, it's, it's always about that. Yeah, so it so, does, but yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, it's it's just, separate sometimes you just have to learn to um, compromise and put things aside. So I think that's been one of our bigger challenges. Okay. That's awesome. Um, what are some of the, so you were talking about when you guys were learning about this or learning how to manage properties or tenants overall, what was some of the reading material you were learning? Do you guys remember some of those books or, cause I'm sure yeah. people are like, Oh, what are they reading? I want to learn as well. Yeah. Uh, you know what? The book that helped me the most for property management was, uh, Brandon Turner's book. Um, the book on managing rental properties. I think the yellow one. Yep. Yellow book. Yeah. Um, I love that book. It was funny. He, the, he and his wife wrote it and, um, it made me laugh and I took a lot from that, a lot of value in that book too. He, um, he includes like an, a, a few Excel uh, spreadsheets in that so that you mm -hmm. can 
get online. Uh, so I used a lot of those and I, I put my own spin on it. That was for me the, the, the biggest help for sure. Yeah, I'm also in a, and then everything else. Um, yeah, that wasn't about managing rental properties. No, though, it's just, but change, change your mindset. Yeah, that's yeah, it's just good educational material to begin with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she was ready to quit after the first rental. Oh my god! Yeah, I really was. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is. We're doing it with full time jobs, so that's what made it hard. Right. Yeah. That's that's definitely difficult balancing. You know, the work, the actual work life with the personal work life that you guys are doing with this. Um, yeah, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that was a great one. It was like the first one everyone reads. And when I read it, it was just like the light bulb kind of clicked. Yeah, we. I remember I, I wanted to quit and he said, okay, let's book a little trip down south just to, you know, to kind of recharge our batteries. And uh, he brought that book. He's like, you should read this. And he just kind of slipped it to me. And I read it by the end of the trip. I was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah, exactly. Like my, you know, my, my fiance, she was like, all right, well, why don't you have me like start learning a little bit, a little bit about this? Cause she knows it's what she has to deal with the rest of her life. So I gave her <laughs> rich dad, poor dad. And she read it in like three days. And I was like, amazed. I was like, well, she obviously got the point. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I know it's like a, everybody talks about that book, but there's a reason for it. Um, yeah. And I think uh, Brandon Turner's book with, he wrote with his wife about managing rental properties. That one really breaks it down fairly well. I haven't, Ken McCroy, I want to, I always say his last name wrong. He's part of like the Rich Dad Advisors. He has like the ABCs of real estate investing. And then he has another one, the ABCs of property management, which I highly yeah. suggest. I've read it. The, yeah. Yeah. I mean, really good books that just break down kind of exactly like he says, ABC and what you need to do in these processes. If this happens, that happens. And like you were saying, the spreadsheets or the forms that come with Brandon Turner's book, those are great. You, you plop them on your computer, maybe you tweak them a little bit for your area, what you know, rules and regulations or laws are. I took the base of those forms and I changed them completely for, because you know, it's us from Canada, just there, there's a big shift in terms of the laws and stuff. Uh, so, but they, they, they really helped us uh, base that side of the business for sure. Yeah. Do you guys ever find it hard or is it an issue that when you're taking all this content that's, you know, from the United States, that's kind of a little different. It doesn't apply in Canada or is that not really happen too much? I find that yeah, sometimes like I'm reading, I'm reading something, or I'm I'm listening. I, I have a you know I have a, a nice community through Instagram of people I've met through Instagram, and I talk to them, and then and then I see their posts. I'm like, oh, but that doesn't apply here. It's not the same rules. And so sometimes I just constantly have to remind myself to uh, get back. You, you and, have to check your stuff, kind of thing. Yeah. To make sure it applies. Yeah. No, it, that makes sense. You to know that your laws at the same time. So we're we're super up to date with the local laws there. Um, but yeah, no, definitely we constantly have to change our mindset because most of the good books and stuff like that are from the U.S. <laughs> right, yeah. It, it's a larger community here when it comes to that that side yeah. of things. Speaking of, you know, rules, regulations, things like that, any tenant horror stories you guys have had over the years or nothing really too bad because you guys do a really good job at screening? Uh, we have had issues, but uh, yeah, but nothing too no, major, nothing though. Too major, it's right. nothing too major. We've though. heard other people's oh, horror sure. stories and it's uh, nothing compared. Like, yep, this is this investing thing is not for me. Yeah, yeah, no, it scares a lot of people. I think we've been lucky. Like, we've, we've been lucky, been... but I like a lot of times when I talk to those people who had those issues, they didn't screen properly. They just took in whoever yeah. came, the and first person the that came to the door. We've had, it's because we haven't we didn't screen properly at Before. the time. Now, mm. so we don't see those problems. Yeah, and it just anymore. the thing is too, you just kind of have to have the mentality where you're not there to make your tenants' lives miserable, right? Some mm -hmm. tenants think that landlords are bad. Um, so they, they start off kind of defensive. And if you, when you show them like, look, I'm, I'm not here to, I'm here, I'm respecting, this is your home, right? You kind of have that respectful uh, relation with them. Then it just becomes easier because as soon as you have their respect, then they'll respect your home. And they like, it's, you just, you just can't be a greedy landlord that's just in it for the cash because that's if you base your business on that, you're going to have issues. And we don't base our business on that. We base it on the, the, the quality service we provide, right? That's really what we want. We want our tenants to be happy in their homes. It is, it's our houses, but it's their homes. Um, so when you have that mentality automatically, I think things just smoother. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think that's huge. And kind of going back to what you're saying, like these people you talk to that do have the tenant horror stories. They're like you said, you know, they didn't screen properly. And yeah. that's huge. If you have a vacancy or a unit that's been vacant for a while and 
you see someone that comes in with cash, you, you kind of, you know, you get dollar signs in your eyes. You're like, oh, you're perfect. I can fill the unit. And then it just turns into a headache down the road. Yeah. It's like when you, when you post something and someone's like, oh, I have like I have cash in hand. I'm ready to go. It's just like, no, no, no. Like when someone literally says I have cash, it's like, <laughs> no, red flag. are you telling me you don't have a bank account? You just carry on cash. Like, <laughs> Exactly. Oh, no, no. I get that every time I post, I get someone trying to offer, oh, I'll pay you a year in advance. Yeah, no, I'm good. <laughs> I think we're getting ready to uh, sign off here in a few moments. Anything you guys would leave the listeners who are looking to get started or who are currently investing in real estate just to kind of kick it up a notch? Anything you have for them? Yeah, I would say, um, I would say for, for sure, it's never too early to start building your team. Um, you know, start getting that lawyer, that accountant, uh, that realtor. It's the best feeling in the world to know that you're not alone in this because when you have that team backing you up and when you create a relationship with them um, and you know that you have that person that's knowledgeable, that knows you and that's willing to go that extra mile for you because you have such a strong relationship with them, um, it's worth so much down the road. So even if you just have one property or if you're looking to buy that first property, start trying to find those key people because they will help you grow your business and they will help you, they will help your mindset really. And relieve stress. Yeah, for sure. When you know you're not alone, right? Yeah, no, I think that's definitely huge, you know, and I, I really like that answer. You know, it's never too, too soon to build your team because you really can't go into it, you know, without any backup, anything like that. Like you, you don't go to a soccer game without a team and hope you can find the teammates when you get to the field, you know, yeah, it's, exactly. you have to have that in advance. You have to have that practice, you know, to play the game right and be successful. Um, yeah. And those key characters you listed, you know, a bookkeeper, an accountant, a, an attorney, a realtor, those are all key assets because you can't do it yourself. And, and just friends, you know, you've got friends in the area who are doing the same thing as you like, get with those people yeah, just, just discussing um your, your problems with real estate or whatever yeah, i think it helps yeah like a other people might have solutions that you didn't think of so it's funny how landlords and a, with other real estate uh, yeah owners. yeah and like landlords in a community will usually end up knowing each other right you usually end up talking and knowing everyone and you can swap stories um and just having that family that backs you up that's huge uh if you have family that doesn't understand it make them understand it because you really want them to be on your side and to push you through it when the when the going gets tough <laughs> yeah and i i think again you know that is huge especially at like my meetup i have or even other meetups i go to i'm just like i'm amazed i'm like wow i didn't know all these people in my area invested i yeah. also didn't know they were super kind because it's not this mix of bad blood what people think everyone's really on the same team we're, we're not trying to steal tenants from each other or properties for, for the most part it is a, a tight niche community as in we want to help each other out we want to network we want to you know tell each other stories and that's why i do have a lot of local people in my community on this show because they have so much value and knowledge they can bring to the podcast and i think that's very important for sure yeah i agree so Nat, Rob, where can people find out more about you, where they can connect with you, or if they have any questions about the uh, build and hold method, where can they uh, connect with you? Uh, we uh, mostly on Instagram, actually only on Instagram. Uh, it's RM for Robin Nat underscore properties. Uh, that's our company name. So that's where you can find us. Awesome. Well, I just want to thank you guys so much for taking the time this evening to be on the show. I, I love talking to you guys and learning a new method this evening. So thank you so much. Thank you for having us. We're honored. Thanks for listening. We hope you took something away from today's episode. For more information, you can find us on Instagram at Dante Belmonte. See you next time.